Welcome to Bound by Books. I'm Marianne Morea, and I write paranormal romantic suspense and paranormal romance and all things paranormal. And today I am joined by... I'm Sherry Hayes, and I write steamy contemporary romance and BDSM erotic romance. And wow. We've been thrown yeah. together a lot lately. <laughs> We have, yeah. This this month, I do not know what happened to this month, but between the illnesses and the preparing for Christmas and just the general busyness of life, it has really thrown a wrench in the works for everybody yeah, in our. Yeah, I mean, we've got uh, we've got uh, people who are busy with their. Uh, deadlines and responsibilities for year end which is one of the things we're going to be talking about today and mm -hmm. you know so sherry and i are just like not that we're not busy and not a lot of responsibilities we do it's just we seem to be the ones that have a little bit less stringent more asynchronous kind of schedules that we can you know get together so we are very lucky number one that we know what we're talking about and number two that we like each other <laughs> Which is a good thing. I was going to say, yeah, I think Mary, the Marion and I's our, our schedules are a little more flexible, whereas we can insert things. Whereas, uh, you know, Danielle has a day job, so she's pretty much stuck. You know, uh, she can't do anything for you know forty a uh, forty hours a week. I mean, she's in right. that block, and then of course Tina's, you know, got all of the uh, end of the year stuff going on with her publishing house. Right. So yeah, it, it's, it's absolutely crazy. And like Marion said, we are going to kind of touch on that a little bit today. Um, we wanted to talk uh, kind of just, just in general, what has been kind of some of the stuff that's been going on uh, in the industry, in the author world, um, and the big news uh, here this last week or so has been that uh, we don't know if the USA Today bestseller list is going to be in existence anymore. Right. No, we're spilling the tea today. That's for sure. Um, it's it, it was actually a shock to me when I heard that they had let go of their uh for lack of a better term, their curator, you know, to curate yeah. who curates the list and and makes the decision on who's on it and whatnot. I mean, there is the USA Today list had the top 100, you know, and uh, I know it, it's been um, a bucket list item for a lot of authors to oh, want to yeah. hit the USA Today. I mean, especially but, indie authors. Yep. Because they were a little more favorable towards indie authors than other lists. You know, the New York Times is a bucket list for some of us. Washington Post, definitely. Um, you know, Amazon is a little easier because it depends on the algorithms, you know, and their best bestseller tag, which I've had mm -hmm. and Sherry's had is, is um, you know, that banner, that orange banner that goes across, you know, you may have it for two days and then lose it. And then all of a sudden it comes back. It just, it really depends on how, and how sales are doing, but yeah. um, the US, USA Today, New York Times, and West, uh, Washington Post. Um, well, it was about sales. I mean, yeah. USA Today was the list that was about sales. Right. If you reached a certain level in your sales during one week, you know, during that, that set week, you could make the USA bestseller, bestseller list, whereas the New York times and some of the others, they, they not all, they sells is one factor in what they use to determine who's going to be in the bestseller list, but it's not the determining factor. Whereas the USA um, bestseller list was, it was all about sales. That's what it was there. So right. everybody was on an even playing field, essentially. Right. Um, we call, you know, in the industry, if you're, if you're a newbie author listening to us, um, you know, we call it, you know, earning your letters and, you know, uh, earning your letters for most authors is, is a coveted thing. It's what, you know, you want. 
Now, there are some very, very um, popular authors who sell well, and for some reason, those letters become elusive. You know, they just never have, for some reason, maybe it was just the wrong work, or maybe they're, they're earning their dollar figure over the over the a span of multiple books as opposed to one book you know so it's a it's a i hate to say it's like a witch's brew but it kind of is and you know in a yeah. matter of luck and a matter of timing and 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 whatnot um algorithms and so forth but it's a sad thing if it does if it does go the way of the dodo don't you think i do i do i think and it and it came out of the blue that's part of it i mean yeah it seems like even to uh the lady mary who was who was the one who was let go um this was not an expected thing this is kind of this seems like it did kind of come out of left field yeah um and it is a really sad i think thing for like i said indie authors specifically because this was kind of the the epitome of being putting us on an even playing field. I mean, the New York Times bestseller list, they they specifically um, handicapped indie authors years ago because they they kind of took out or diminished the um, impact of ebook sales. Uh, versus yep. paperback sales yep. and of course most indies you know we're not in uh, most bookstores most physical bookstores so the majority of our sales do come from ebooks and by diminishing those numbers those sale numbers um, making them less important or removing them entirely uh, it makes it very hard for indies to compete for those coveted new york times slots yep um i mean the gal so... that we're talking about her name is um mary get mary caden Caden c-a-d-d-e-n and she was the presiding editor for 26 years and um she was lumped in with a bunch of i guess year-end layoffs because like everything else in this world yeah. things are suffering because of price and supply chain and 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 whatnot. And, you know, it's, it's a, it's either, I'm hoping it's not a, it's more of a growing pain or a transformational pain as opposed to death throes, you know, but the, the, the title that I've just, uh, I've just seen is that they are saying that they are pausing the USA mm-hmm. today, today lift uh, to USA today, bestseller list um, as it, you know, as it lays off the uh, their presiding editor. Maybe they're looking to take it in a different direction. You know, like I said, maybe this is transformational. Um, maybe there was a bucking of the heads of the uh, people, the powers that be, and her creative vision as to what she would like to see. I would hope that that it wasn't a battle over legitimacy of indies or not, because that right, would just and- set indie publishing back. Right. And that's my concern is, okay, say they do go forward with this. Are they then going to go forward with a model similar to the New York Times list where they're now going to handicap indies or take them out of the equation altogether? And because, again, right now, the USA Today's bestseller, or at least before this happened, they were the place where indies could have an equal playing field and an equal opportunity to get their letters Correct. and um now it's just it's so up in the air um who knows i mean we, there were some with. issues in the past with um gargantuan sized anthologies mm-hmm. um being put together and sold for 99 cents which is their prerogative you know right. it's up you want to you do you baby you know that type of a situation but the situ but there were there was some kind of rumor about fraud where the people who were uh they were charging exorbitant fees for authors to be included into these these anthologies and those mm-hmm. fees were then used as number one as profit and number two to then purchase ebooks Copies, yeah yeah and so that was so that they were being quote unquote sold 
but they weren't being sold in a legitimate manner. They were being bought right. out. And then it was the, the claim was that they were being donated then once they were bought uh, to, to try and get, you know, the trying to navigate the loopholes to be able to win their letters that way. Now, um, I have some friends who have, have hit the USA Today bestseller list in anthologies mm-hmm. and so forth. And, you know, more power to them, more power to them. Um, but, you know, if it's if you put out an anthology and your anthology does well in legitimate sales where the where the mass public are buying the anthology because you've advertised the hell out of it, you've pimped the hell out of it and you have then reached a certain penultimate sale level that you that then then, you know, it bestows upon you the the USA bestseller list letters, then great. But if it's something right. that's being done in a categorically shady, sketchy kind of a way, that kind of casts dispersions on it. So maybe that is something that is being curated on the other end is so to, to make sure that the letters are being Good. bestowed on authors who have legitimately sold these books, you know, as yeah. opposed to being bought by one or two people running a, Mm -hmm. for lack of a better word, a scam, you know, so. Which, but you would think that that in that aspect, if that was the case, that should be something that would be easily remedied internally, not by firing or laying off uh, somebody who has been with the company and who basically is this, this is their baby for the last 26 years. So we will see how it, how it ends up uh yep. panning out but uh it is definitely something to keep an eye on if you haven't been keeping an eye on it already and you but you do have you know even if they're far off aspirations of potentially hitting a list one day uh this is definitely something i would highly suggest keeping an eye on in the industry um that brings us to number two topic that we wanted to touch on today, which is another kind of ripple that has been moving through the industry um, here as of late. And that is AI. Artificial intelligence. (sighs) Yes. 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 And it started with Google play offering uh, AI narrated stories, Mm -hmm. which most authors were right for free which most authors were, if if not happy about, were at least open to. Correct. Um, and into considering. And, you know, it's something that I've considered for my books. And I'm actually, I, I'm going to, I believe, do a trial run with one of my stories here um, within the first quarter of next year. Um, just surely for the fact that I have a lot of uh, readers that I encounter, especially at book signings, that are you know they're like oh i like to listen to my books and that's great but the cost of having a book professionally narrated which i would love to do is very uh it's just very cost prohibitive i mean let's just be honest about it my my smaller books it's over three thousand dollars to get those you know auto you know those narrated professionally uh and my highest my largest book is up over twelve thousand to get that you know narrated so it's it's a big expense it's a big huge investment especially when you've already spent money on your cover and your editing and all of that and 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 so it is i think trial run i think trial run is the operative Mm -hmm. word in what you just said because, you know, I have to play devil's advocate here. You know, AI sounds like it's a great thing to do. Um, mm-hmm. But that depends on whether or not the technology is there. Because when you pay for someone to professionally, yep. rec- you know, narrate your book, you're getting someone who's going to add the emotion. They're going to add the inflection. They're going to add the pacing, the correct pacing. Um, and they're going to do the voices, you know, and so it's a, mm-hmm. the same way that writing is a craft and a discipline. Exactly. Narration is definitely a craft and a discipline and yeah. a talent, just like writing mm-hmm. has, has talent. Um, right. So, I mean, for my, 
narration friends that are out there, um, I, my heart breaks for them because this is mm -hmm. something that's taking away their bread and butter. And it's also something that it's not going to be the same quality. There's just no, no way the technology's not there. You know, I mean, I, no. it's going to sound like uh, 2001 space odyssey where, would you like to play a game? You know, like that type of a type. Right. Of a and that's, so. and that's the thing, but then I'm looking at it. I'm also looking. And again, the only reason why I'm kind of even, cause I, I was juggling with this. I'm like, should I, should I not? I mean, it's free through Google play. So it's, it's like, okay, you know, do I really have something to lose? I, I, I sent it out to my newsletter. I said, Hey, you know, what do you think? You know, would you something? And I got, I got a huge response back that no, that was not something they would be interested in. They they weren't interested in it. However, like I said, when I go to book signings and I'm talking I'm in an in-person events, I'm encountering a lot of people who say they only listen to books. Wait a minute, I'm and confused. If I'm in a position if it, if uh, just clarify for one second is who your your readership on your newsletter were not interested in audiobooks at all or a no. or audio AI. 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 Okay. Now go ahead. Go. Yeah. Sorry. I That's just okay. I was like, no. wait a minute. Sorry. Like, <laughs> Sorry. Sorry. No, AI, they are not interested. My my newsletter subscribers are not interested. They say, um, by far, they are not interested in auto uh AI narrated books. They want they would they would they want the narrated, which again, I don't think that AI, at least at this point, is in any danger of replacing live narration. I just don't. Because again, like you mentioned, the inflection, the voices, the emotion that's, that they can add, that a narrator can add, you're not going to get that depth from an, from an AI narration. However, looking at it unemotionally from a business standpoint... I have, a, I'm in a situation where I'm like, okay, I can either have a product that could potentially appeal to people who are only listening, who are doing the majority of their listening, you know, their reading, quote unquote, uh, in their car while they're on their commute, or I can just lose those readers altogether. So from that standpoint, if I take the emotion out of it, if I take that and I just purely look at it from a business perspective, I have to consider it. I have to consider the AI narration, um, even at least it is an experimental type of a situation. What about you? Have you ever thought I, about it? I I think I would probably record my books myself before I did AI, but I just don't have the time. Um, and I don't know, maybe if I if I hear an, an AI narrated book um, and I deem the technology to be uh, worth it, acceptable, <laughs> uh, I might. Um, but if it's going to leave the story flat, you know, flat, mm -hmm. I, I don't I, I don't want anything that's going to leave my story flat. Right. Last thing I need is somebody you know listening to an AI book. And then because it's basically, you know, robotic or just, you um, on par with Microsoft Word's, you know, uh, playback, you know, the audio playback. Right. Um, I don't need somebody just panning a book before that gives the book the chance to come to life for them. You know, that's that's right. the that's the whole point of us as as authors is to write stories that come to life for our readers. So I think the jury is still out as far as right. I am concerned. Um, but you know, right. AI also in terms of narration. I would wonder what protections they give you for um, for copyright infringement and for for that type of a situation. Um, I, I guess it wouldn't be much different than submitting an ebook, you know, uh, yeah. that because they have access to the to the the, the raw files that way. Mm -hmm. um, the other thing that's happening now that is a problem with yes. AI are artificial intelligence covers. Mm -hmm. covers that are being generated through AI um, based off of covers that are prominent and popular in specific genres. Um, the algorithms for are being searched by this AI technology 
and then the imagery is being scraped. That's the mm-hmm. the terminology that they that they use. It's the the it basically they're just they're like scraping all of the the uh, I don't know what the word I'm looking for the key points of some, mm-hmm. of of an image, and they're recreating these covers or not recreating but creating these covers off of that, and that. S- just smacks wholeheartedly of copyright infringement of intellectual yeah, and, property and infringement. I, yeah. And I've also heard of them actually going um, and whether it's deposit photos or, you know, one, two, three stop, whatever it is, but actually going to uh, there's been instances where they've been going to uh, these stock sites and grabbing the photos. And even they've been created, there's been covers created apparently with, uh, with images that have the watermark on them. They yeah. still have the watermark on them. So yeah. these are not legitimately purchased photos. No, no they're not because when, um, you know, unless you're having a, you know, your own cover, cover shoots, uh, you know, uh, you know, photo shoot done for your cover where you're going to be proprietarily, you know, uh, the, the owner of the, the rights to use those photographs for any, you know, for everything and anything, mm-hmm. you know, the next step, you know, the other alternative for indie authors and even, even other, you know, authors that are, are, are with houses and so forth is, is stock art. And you don't license a stock art to be exclusive. You know, other people can use that image. And I have a background in graphic design and Photoshop and so forth. And I know that with layering that you're, you're using multiple images and you're layering them together and you're changing aspect and, and, and uh, aspects of them to create something that is unique and different, you know, you know, cause you, you look at a, a stock photography a image of just plain guy or a woman that's got her hand out, you know, for like a paranormal cover. And you're going to, you're going to create like a, a, a an energy ball or a fireball or something in there for your quote unquote, witch that you're, that's going to be on mm-hmm. your cover, but you're, you're changing the base nature of the image that you're going to, that you're buying the base, the base nature of the image, you the raw image doesn't, it's not something you're not just going to take it from the stock portfolio and dump right. it on your cover and call it a day no you have to you have to finesse it you have to work with it and so forth and the, the layering that goes on with that is what's being infringed upon you know mm-hmm. as well it's so that so it is an artist's work it is an artist's intellectual property that is being violated at that point in time so it's um the scraping and the spiders that kind of crawl across the internet and crawl across these sites and so forth that just pull. Yeah. It'd be great if you could, if you could, you know, guarantee that the person that they're scraping the information from is then going to get an email saying, Hey, we like this. We're going to pay you for the rights Mm -hmm. to use this. That would be, that would be great because then the person is getting Mm -hmm. credit. They're getting paid for their, for their, their creativity and their intellectual mm-hmm. property, but it's not, that's not what, that's not what's yeah, happening. I've, I've heard that it's really affecting the pre-made cover industry in, in more so than the custom cover industry at this point. It's not to say it won't affect the custom cover industry in the future, but for now, the main industry that is being affected is the pre-made covers. Um, To get a pre-made cover, most companies who have the, who sell those are selling them usually for $30, $40 a piece, which is a good deal for a cover. If you're, you know, for, to, to have a cover made, it's a good deal. I don't deal think I've that. ever seen a pre-made that cheap. Where are you looking? You have to, you have to hook me up, sure. Okay. <laughs> so. I've only looked at pre-mades once or twice, so maybe they've got a, but, um, but I, I have back when I was looking at them, I think it was like $35. This, this person was selling pre-mades for, and, um, See, I've seen them for 150 between see, 100 and cust- 150. I, that's more than that's about what I pay for my custom cover. So yeah, why would I do me, a pre made so. for that? <laughs> um, so, but, uh, the, the, um, I guess this AI, I mean, this program that's like been the predominant program, which we won't mention its name in this, uh, in this segment, but, um, you can get these scraped AI covers for like four bucks. So they're, you know, it again, it's really hurting that pre-made industry because, 
you know, the whole point was for them to be doing a cover. It was like kind of the best of both worlds. You could get a cover already pre-made. You had this, the feel, you know, they could find one that had the feel of your, you know, your story that you could just kind of plug and play your title and then your name in there and maybe one or two other little things uh, on the cover and it was ready to go. Um, And now, you know, you can still do that with this AI, but for a fraction of of the cost, but the downside, well, two downsides, one, the artist is not getting paid. I guess that's the big thing. It's kind of a twofold thing. The pre-made artists are not getting paid, but because they're not going to people are not going to them, but also there's no guarantee at this point where the AI is getting that. And from a creative standpoint, even if you're, you know, you got to, I know authors will are looking, you know, especially when you're sort of starting out, you're trying to save every penny that you can, but you really need to think about it from an, uh, just a moral standpoint, ethical standpoint. More than that, more than that, because you don't know where AI is scraping these images from. They may be scraping images from Google, you know, um, you know, you ever Google an image and, you know, or, or, or put in a topic and then, and then hit images. And then Mm -hmm. all of these pictures, these are, these are pictures that people have uploaded to the internet that are being Mm -hmm. just, they're being gathered. And these are sometimes um, people's personal pictures, like the, like the, uh, that that whole hullabaloo that mm-hmm. happened where there was an ad that that they used a, a picture of a down syndrome child in the you know in their in the the uh, i forget what it was that they did but it was somebody's kid that that was the image was just yeah. like, like like uploaded to facebook and it was mm-hmm. scraped from there and it was and and, and, and yeah. there was a huge lawsuit for that yeah and could you imagine if you as an author went through using this AI to create a beautiful cover for you. Let's just say it was gorgeous. Let's say it was just a great cover. You put it up there on, on Amazon and, you know, Barnes and all that stuff. You put it up for sale and it starts selling really well. It's doing well. It's doing good. And you get hit with a copyright infringement. Yeah. Cease and desist. A cease and desist you have to take that cover down or risk getting sued. Well, and not only that, sometimes you will be sued regardless. Right. You and know? not only that, but Amazon especially does not take kindly to uh, copyright infringements or disputes. If they think that you have, you know, if they get a, a letter from a so-and-so copyright owner that you have infringed their rights, they pretty much give you like one chance to prove that you own this or that you have the rights to do this and if you can't they will take your book down in yeah. full stop it was not matter how well your book is selling they will take it down yeah and it's, it's just a, it's for lack of a better term it's just a a real crappy 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 thing to do you know mm-hmm. i mean like you said somebody's looking yeah. to your indie authors especially newbie ones are looking to to do things on the cheap in the, in a very, you know, but still try to be professional and have it look professional. We're all mm-hmm. looking to be able to keep our costs down, but this is something that you really have to think about because of the potential backlash. And I'm not talking about the social justice warriors who are going to get on, you know, and, and, and be like, this is terrible, you know, and, and, and boycott you and so forth. I'm not even talking about that because it's a whole nother kettle of fish. I'm talking about, the backlash that could come to you from a legal point of view, from a credibility point of view, from your ability to be able to mm-hmm. sell other books on platforms that now you've got a ba- you know you've got a black mark against you mm-hmm. because plagiarism is plagiarism is plagiarism. Basically, if it walks like a duck, it's it uh, quacks like a duck. It is a duck. Okay, mm-hmm. so you need to be able to have the confidence and don't think, well, I bought it, but it's not, I didn't make it. So therefore I'm not the one who's responsible. Um, You will be lumped into a lawsuit with, and you don't know when you buy something from a, from a company that's using AI to scrape these images that somewhere in the very bottom of the fine print, it doesn't say that by purchasing this, you then indemnify 
the company, the AI company, from all possible legal, you know, uh, infringements. And therefore, mm-hmm. it will lo- lay, lay solely on your shoulders if you do yeah. that. Yeah, it, it's so. a it's a very slippery slope. And yep. um, I would stay away from it. I would yep. not touch that with a 10 foot pole. <laughs> yeah, no, no Make sure way. Budget yourself mm-hmm. to be able to do, do something properly, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah. And there are places that you can find uh, decent covers for not that much money. Uh, Ask around and, um, and, you know, and see, I mean, it is a lot of aspects. It is a get what you pay for, but you can get a decent cover uh, for under a hundred dollars. You can, Um, it may take a little bit of work on your part, a little bit of trial and error and, and, you know, of research, but you can find a decent cover out there for under a hundred dollars and it is well worth the effort um, at the onset than having to potentially worry about getting sued and having your book removed from sale entirely and getting the black mark on your, you as an author uh, potentially. So, I mean, there is, (laughs) there was a, woman who uh who who, an author who got caught up in a scandal because she went after a trademark copyright several years ago and created a huge huge uh thing in the book world with cocky gate and uh that's something that this it's probably been what four years or more yeah since that happened and and every and pretty much every author that has been in this industry for at least that amount of time knows who she is and does not forget, has not forgotten that. So that's something that she's going to carry with her, probably her into the rest of her entire author career. So you don't want to be known as that person who had some big scandal attached to it. Cause again, like Marion said, you know, you get a black mark on your, on your uh, business as an author, as your integrity as an author and, uh, you know, you want to try to avoid that as, as much as possible. Yeah. Um, I mean, you wouldn't want somebody sc- scraping your words. No, no. So why no, scrape no. someone else's intellectual property? Creativity you know? is creativity. And, uh, you know, photography is, you know, is the same thing. Unless you're paying that photographer for, you know, for that picture, then, you know, yeah, don't use it. Licenses, <laughs> commercial licenses and the various shades of those licenses are very important you have to read what you're allowed to do and what you're not allowed to do you know right it's like when you download fonts same thing you know for personal use means for personal use you can't just take one and use it for commercial use you know that's a violation Mm -hmm. of terms of service so so be aware uh you know running this is a business and so you know, you have to approach it as a business, which means you got to read those legal fine prints and those terms of service, which it sucks, but, uh, you know, you, you got to do it um, to be and don't on the pay, up and up. And don't pay attention to the people that tell you it's a victimless crime, that taking yeah, things off no, the internet, not. using images that you find on Google, you mm-hmm. know, you know, taking an image and removing the watermark on your own, you know, whatever way you do it. It's, it's it's that it's a victimless crime. It is not a victimless crime. No, and, and a perfect example of that is the the uh, return issue that was happening with ebooks. Yeah, that's uh, another specific, thing. <laughs> specifically on Amazon, um, uh, somebody just posted on one of my Facebook groups here recently that uh, they were talking with a coworker, and this coworker's grandmother reads a book in a couple of days and then returns to Amazon. And the, when she explained to the coworker that, you know, if you do that to one of my books, I get charged back for that. So I, you just bred my book for free. My work is basically, you know, nothing you're stealing from me. And he had no idea. Like he didn't understand that that's how it works because there's this conception this this perception there where if you go to a store amazon macy's whatever and you purchase something you use it and then you return it that somehow because this is a big store 
that it's a victimless, victimless crime, that this store can absorb that. But that store doesn't really absorb that. That store hmm. charges somebody back for that. In, in the case of an ebook, they charge the author back. Right. In case of a piece of clothing, if you return something and say, oh, this, you know, you wore this and then you, you know, you, oh, well, th- it had this, there's a string here missing or whatever, or, or it's pulled out or whatever, some minor defect. Maybe you did that. You, it wasn't like that when you bought it. Maybe you did it, but you return that. The store doesn't, most of the time, doesn't take a loss and they return it back to the manufacturer. Right. And maybe that manufacturer is a small mom and pa that has 10 employees that work for them. And you just keep, you know, and if you have enough people that do that, that mom and pa could be out of business because they just keep credited back, credited back. Same deal. I have seen author, authors share their, um, their numbers and there are some of them who they will have a day in the negative where they're actually paying Amazon or Barnes and Noble or, you know, Kobo, whatever. They're paying them to basically, you know, paying people to read their books because they're actually getting a negative. They're getting charged back for books that people are returning. There's so it, it's 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 not a victimless yeah. crime. Ebooks, ebooks are not a library. It's no. not a library. You want you want to get you want there are libraries that have it. Yeah. Go to library. Go to the friggin' library. You know, don't use Amazon or Barnes and Noble as a library. Right. And don't don't yeah, anybody who ever says to you it's a victimless crime. I had a family member, an in-law, my sister-in-law's mm-hmm. brother, say to her, Hey, Kate, I have uh I have about a hundred ebooks, hundred free ebooks that I downloaded. Do you want them? And I said, Where'd you get them from? He goes, That's ah, some pirating site. And I was like, do you realize that you just took money out of the pocket of the person who wrote those books, that they're not getting a dime of royalties from those books? He, and he just he was like, it's a victimless crime. I'm like, it's not a victimless crime. I said, I'm an author. I said, you I said, if my book is there and you read it and now Kate's read it and then whoever else you pander it to has read it. How many how many of those reads then do I not get credit for? I don't get paid for. I said, Amazon has <laughs> Amazon has a lending per, uh, 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 ability. You can actually loan a book to somebody, and I will get a portion of that as royalties because you've now something you've bought. You are now lending. I said, so this don't tell me it's not a victimless crime, and there is nothing I could say that would convince him that it wasn't a victimless crime because since it's on the internet, it mm-hmm. should be free. Intellectual property shouldn't yeah. shouldn't be property at all, and that's a yeah. that's a that's usually a, the only way that you can somewhat sometimes convince people like that that uh, it's not is to personally relate it to whatever their job is, whatever they do, and just say, well, you know, I want you to come in and I want you to work for an hour extra every day, but I'm not going to pay you for that work. And sometimes that will get through to them. They'll be like, well, I'm not coming in extra if you're not going to pay me. Well, that's the point. You, that that right there is the point because that's what you're doing. You're asking right. me to work for free. This right. is my job. It what I, you know, I produce something that wouldn't have existed otherwise right. that you're now consuming. And yet you are wanting me to do what I do that you get to enjoy for free. Yeah, and I just it, uh, I it's hard I, I, sometimes. It's it it it's a it's a more pervasive mindset. So, you know, as you know, authors who are listening to to this podcast and or, or watching this podcast, <clears throat> part and parcel of what we're doing is not just to kind of you know spill the tea on the on the stuff that's that's going on in the industry this you know this week, but to also get you to go out there and you know have these conversations with your readers. So that they know that they are mm-hmm. literally robbing you of your livelihood. And for the, you know, for authors, when you start off, a lot of us don't have a lightning strike where we, you know, make a million dollars, you know, or even $10,000 off the, off our first books. So if, you know, if you've sold a hundred books in a month um, and 10 of them have been returned because people have read them and then returned them as a lending library, that's 10% of your, of the, the money that you've earned. Think about it. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. And if you're, a, and if you're just starting out, 10% can be a lot of money. I mean, it, it a dollar, you know, if you're making $10 a month on average and you lose a dollar, you know, that's, you know, that's only 10%, but that dollar is a lot of money compared, you know, and you're only making 10. Now, if you're making a hundred thousand and 10,000, it's still a lot of money. But, you know, but you're, you you know, it, it's, it's just when you start thinking, because people will be like, oh, it's just such a small portion. But again, 1% is a lot. When you really start to break it down and you, you think about it, what if 10%, you know, if you, if you still work a day job, what would, what if 10% of your income went away tomorrow? Right. If you lost you 10% it. of your, of your monthly income that you need, that you have mm-hmm. budgeted, if it went away. Just because of shrinkage, because because somebody decided, oh, well, you know, we're going to give this away, you know, even though she's earned it, we're not we're just not going to pay her for it because, you know, it just Mm -hmm. it's just it just disappeared. And we're not going to track down the people who have taken it, you know, and that's exactly Mm -hmm. how it how it feels when that happens. Yeah. Yeah. So it is which leads us kind of into our last topic that we wanted to touch on today which um we're not going to spend too much time on but just kind of a we are rounding out the end of the year and um that means that we not only have to worry about christmas and new years and planning for the new year um we also have to worry about taxes coming yes and um and all of the fun things that come with preparing uh to to get those taxes and stuff um i know for me it is one of the most dreaded times of the year when it comes to business um because i have two businesses not only my author business but also our woodworking business that i have to try to get everything together and um, organize it. I have gotten better over the years where I have created um, a folder where I keep track of all of my business expenses. I have a separate account. If you do not have a separate account for your author business, I would highly suggest that you do get one. Um, Even doesn't have to be fancy. mm -mm, Just go to your bank create a separate account, get a separate debit card Yep. so that you can track your expenses. It will make doing your taxes so much easier because the last thing you want to do is have to go through all of your personal accounts and go through with a highlighter and be like, oh, that's a business expense. Um, Okay, there's another business expense. If you have it separate in a separate account, everything's there you don't have to spend hours upon hours upon hours sifting through your personal accounts yep. to find all that yes it's so. a big no-no with my accountant commingling <laughs> commingling the accounts is a big no-no yes. so yes. the other the thing IRS is doesn't like that either no so if you do work for another author or um an editing service or cover art you know um if you uh, are a PA for an author and you're an aspiring author yourself and they pay you, if you are not a, in the United States anyway, if you're not a W-2 employee, if you are in a um, work for hire type of an employee, you have to make sure that they send you your 1099 form. You have to receive it by January 15th. Because actually you should be receiving it before that, because I know for a fact when I did co-writing with another author that and I was the one who was who was taking care of all the bookkeeping, meaning that the royalties were being paid into my account that I had uploaded the books to, you know, with KDP. And I was collecting all of the royalties and I had to pay her her portion of the royalty share. At the end of the year, it was then my responsibility to make sure that I had all of her tax information to my accountant so that he could issue the 1099 form by January 15th. There's a rule. Yeah. If you don't, then you have to pay a penalty. And so be, be sure that if you do have a situation where you are mm-hmm. co-writing with somebody and you're the one doing all of the, you know, the, the financials. 
that you get them their 1099 by January 15th or vice versa, that they get you yours because you don't, you know, that's what the responsibility is. Yeah. Now there is a little bit of a loophole with PayPal. So if you do your payments via PayPal, a lot of times PayPal will actually take care of that for you. That PayPal will actually send that information to the person if they need to, because again, there's a, there's a $600 cutoff. Um, so if you're not paying them more than $600 per year, you don't year, have to file it. Yeah. Then you don't have to file it. So there are some specifics. So um, having it the other, I guess my other, my other recommendation is get a CPA. Yes. I, 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 I cannot tell you how much better I felt after we got a CPA um, for our businesses because I could just pick up the phone and call them. I, I'm not a big, like I learned my lesson so hard after the first year that um, that we had our working business because we were doing that before uh, I started writing. But we had, we went to H&R Block and I'm not saying H&R Block is a bad place. Don't, 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 don't take it that way. But H&R Block, in my opinion, is more for personal taxes. If you have very simple personal taxes, then I think H&R Block, places like that are fine. But if you're doing business taxes, especially, mm-hmm. or or more complicated personal taxes, where you have a lot of deductions or capital gains or things like that, I personally would not recommend a place like H&R Block because you really want to build a relationship with the person who you who are just doing your taxes so that they understand the nature of your business and that you can call them up and ask them a question uh, should you need to because places like H&R Block, they rotate. They have different people in there all the time. Whereas with a CPA, if you have a dedicated CPA, you can pick up the phone and you can talk to the same person year after year. They're familiar with your business and they're familiar with uh, your your uh, tax model, your business yeah. model, and so forth. I right. I have I don't have any experience with with any other mm-hmm. um, seasonal tax companies. Um, Liberty, H and R Black, mm-hmm. none of them. I I've never used them, so I cannot speak to them at all. I have right. a personal accountant that handles my personal CPA that handles both right. my business, my husband, my husband and I, our business and our personal. So, and I know, I know exactly what kind of wild hairs get up his butt when it comes to doing things like, no, how many times smack that hand? No, you're not supposed to do right. that type of a thing. So, um, and it's also, if you have a question, it's easy yeah. to have somebody to call, you know, it really is down to the question. It's a personal, it's the personalization in my opinion, that makes it stand out, that makes having a CP, and it's not really any more expensive or at least not significantly so to have a CPA. You're pretty much paying for the same services. It's just Mm -hmm. a matter of one, you get, you know, kind of a rotation. You know, these people, they come in, I mean, they do it. It's a service and it's a valuable service for what they're providing. Again, if you just have basic personal taxes, do you really need to have a CPA? You know, that's, that's, it's your call. But if you have a business where you have a lot of, like I said, a lot of deductions and things like that, I mean, with, you know, with being an author, you know, you have to deduct your marketing expenses. You have to, any travel that you did, um, you know, all of that stuff. You need to have that. And it's nice to have a CPA because sometimes they can tell you that, you know, going forward, you may want to do this instead of this. And that'll right. save you money right. on the back end. Right. And anything that can save you from paying more to Uncle Sam or whoever your tax person is, is a good thing. Because yeah. <laughs> I give, I don't know about you, but I give plenty of more, more money than I would like to the federal government. Yeah, we do too. But, uh, <laughs> you know, and there's also the different ways, like most of you who are aspiring authors um, probably do not have or did not or maybe even will not um, incorporate, you know, make yourself a, a you know, a, a corporation or an LLC 
or an LLP or a subcorp um, or a C corp. Um, those things are why you need to speak to a CPA too, because yeah. they're, you know, if you don't, then it's just doing business as is what it is. If you don't have yourself registered in some kind of a legal corporation of some kind, you know, and I'm using the word corporation very loosely here because there's different types of, or you know, different types of way to categorize yourself. Um, then you are simply, you know, Jane, you know, Jane Schmo author doing, you know, or like it would be Marianne Morea doing business as Marianne Danbury, M.A. Morea, Marianne Morea. So um, there are no protections when you do it that way. None whatsoever. You, you run into a situation where like we were talking about with AI and you get a cease and desist letter, every single one of your personal assets from your house to your bank account, to your car and everything in between then becomes fair game. It becomes fair game for somebody to come after. And this is why spend the friggin' hundred dollars and register yourself as a, some, some form of a corporation, just do it because then you will separate your personal assets from your business assets. But again, that's something to discuss with a CPA because the CPA can look at your specific situation and let you know what is going to be the best option for you and for your business. So um, that's, again, I I cannot stress enough how important a CPA is. Um, I really can't. I'd find yourself a good CPA that you jive with, that you trust and build the relationship in you will not regret it. Nope. So I think that's a good note to end our conversation on today. And I think we have covered um wide gamut of <laughs> of news and information uh, that's been going on. And I hope that uh, you've enjoyed the conversation. And if you have any questions, um, feel free to click the link below. Uh, if you're watching on YouTube, uh, it'll be in the description. Um, and if it is, uh, if you're listening on um, one of our podcast stations, it is in the uh, in the show notes below in the description. Uh, you can go to our website and uh, leave us a comment or let us know how you feel. I'm I'm kind of interested to hear uh, if anybody has any experience with the AI, uh, either on the cover side or um, or on the audio narration. Um, but until next time, I hope you have a great week of writing and we'll see you then. Bye. Bye bye. Thank you for listening to the Bound by Books podcast. For more information about the show and all of our hosts, visit our website at www.boundbybookspodcast.com. And if you enjoyed the podcast, please subscribe and leave a review.